and welcome to National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And today's episode is here by popular demand, y'all. Thank you so much for enjoying our episode last season on Agent Sadusky's storage unit. Yeah, thank you for giving Aubrey something else to pour over on her (laughs) television screen. Oh my god, and boy did I discover logistical details about Disney Plus that I did not know existed in prepping for this episode, which is about, again, by popular demand. We're doing a deep dive into Sadusky's Clue Room in National Treasure Edge of History today. I am so excited about this. Yes, it is going to be absolutely amazing. Emily, you're never that enthusiastic. What's going on? I'm tired. I'm I'm recording from work right now. Oh. At night. So, you know. Delirious Emily. Delirious the enthusiasm. Best, the best Emily. Okay, well, without further ado, let's just dive right in to the Parkington Lane pit. We must begin with our screams from Parkington Lane. Ah! All right, Emily, what you got for me? Uh, so I feel like I have a pretty good one. This one comes courtesy of my mother. Hi, mom. Um, she, for Christmas, always gets me a Christmas ornament. And this year she got one for both me and my husband. My husband got a Nintendo Switch ornament. They it's make pretty cool those? looking. Yeah, yeah. She was really happy she found it. Um, and the ornament that I received was in the shape of half of a lemon oh you guys we will be sharing a picture of this ornament on our social media this week yes um mrs black you did a phenomenal job here and (laughs) i i you know i like to think that she is also screaming from the parkington lane pit oh she clearly is this was 100 percent her i did not i would like it to be known that i did not buy this decoration she bought it i love it but she was the one that had the idea so way to go mom All right. All right. Um, Well, my scream this week is frankly a plea of sorts. I almost feel like I need my own segment at the beginning of every episode now about my most recent National Treasure dreams because I have a long list at this point. Um, And today's scream from Parkington Lane is one of those dreams. Um, Emily, I had a dream last week that we were hanging out with our new BFF, Tommy Savas aka Dr. Zeke from Edge of History. Um, And then while we were hanging out with him, he got a call from Lyndon Smith, Agent Ross, and she was inviting him to a party at her house. And so he was hanging out with us and like didn't want to be rude. So he brought us to a party at Lyndon's house and her house was a boat and we were at the party and that's my scream. Wow. These are getting real specific. You have no idea, dude. The list... The list gets disturbing. Oh, I have an idea, Aubrey. Everyone has an idea of how many dreams you have because you tell us every week. I have to use them up. I have a scream list so long, you guys. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a humble brag. It's like a. It's like a desperation brag. Anyway, if you want to hear more about Aubrey's dreams, um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. 
Uh, we are also available on our website, nthuntpodcast.com, where you can find out basically everything else there is to know about us aside from our bathroom schedules. Uh, you can go ahead and order our book, National Treasure Hunt, One Step Short of Crazy, at tuckerdspress.com. And if you would like to join our little community, you can become a patron at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash podcast. I would also like to make a quick plug that if you're listening to this episode around the time that it is coming out, uh, we have recently announced the date of our spring 2024 National Treasure Hunt Tour in Washington, D.C., that date is April 27th, and you are going to want to sign up. Those spots will fill up fast, okay? So that's double the reason to tune in to our social media and our website that Emily just shared. Okay, with all of that business out of the way, let's talk about Sadusky's Clue Room. Actually, I think my screen was very appropriate today because Tommy Savas's favorite set on the Edge of History production was the Clue Room which you can learn if you listen to our interview with him. So um, for this episode, what are we going to do? Well, there's no structured outline. Sorry, if you like those sorts of things. Basically, what we're going to do is um, I'm going to discuss every scene in which the clue room appears, and we're going to dissect what's actually in it. We are going to ask ourselves what can we learn about Sadusky from this exercise? Um, but more importantly, and much more frequently for the purposes of this episode compared to our storage unit episode, we are really going to be asking ourselves what we can learn about how the production team tied the National Treasure movies and the Edge of History franchise together via the Clue Room. Okay, spoiler alert, there is a lot here that I guarantee you did not see. I only saw it because I painstakingly watched these scenes, pausing every two seconds to get the content you are about to hear. You're welcome. Yes, Aubrey, thank you. Um, your work truly does not go unnoticed. Wow. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Emily. Um, <laughs> let's get started. Um, before we actually step into the clue room and don't worry y'all, I will give you time points for different episodes if you want to follow along. Um, before we step into the clue room, it is worth asking ourselves if there's anything to learn from Agent Sadusky's study, right? Because that is where the clue room is located. Uh, we do get our first glimpse of the study in episode one at 17 minutes and 43 seconds. Emily, let me ask you this. When I say Sadusky's study, what comes to mind? Uh, the desk, the little like three steps that like lead down into it for some weird reason. That's where he fell over with the, the Tic Tacs. Um, no just the floor next to the desk there were no yeah. steps he just like fell out of his chair well the, the no the there were steps also like unrelatedly oh, okay okay any anything else come to mind i mean we did watch episode one eight thousand times it felt like big windows it does have some nice windows it's a good point. okay all i okay. got all right well i um i'm gonna give you a little bit more detail than that are you ready 
Yes. Sadusky has bookshelves on literally every wall of his study. Um, so if you're looking at his desk from like the door to get into the study, um, on either side of the desk on the wall behind it, we have some stuff that we can see pretty well. There's an open reference type book, like something like encyclopedia vibe or whatnot, on a shelf under a painting that is a battlefield scene, what I wouldn't give to know what that painting actually is. There's another painting on the other side of the desk that has a similar vibe. There's a mantle behind the desk. Um, so it kind of feels like there should be like a fireplace there, but there's not just a mantle. And the desk itself in my humble opinion is giving resolute desk vibes on the mantle itself there are a few urns and at least two medals slash awards medals and awards is going to be a recurring theme in Sadusky's decor um do you remember anything on his desk by any chance pens <laughs> you're just guessing things that are go on desks aren't you mm -hmm. so i found his desk to be really interesting because we know that he uses it, right? Because he was sitting at it when we meet him in the show. Uh, but when you look at the objects on it, it's made to look like very old, kind of. So it's doesn't fully track. On the desk, there is a small Roman emperor helmet. And this is a callback to his storage unit. We saw a much larger version of one of these in his unit. There's also an hourglass, a variety of old dusty books, and some crumpled up paper. It's really giving like, you know, in a movie scene where someone's like scribbling something down and they hate it, they crumble it up and they throw it across the room and they try again. It's giving Except those... he didn't make it across the room. No. Just on the desk. Just on the desk. Yes. Some He had some idea that was um, not up to snuff. Okay. Um, in front of the secret bookshelf. All right. There is a side table, which I never noticed before. You can barely see it in this scene, but in episode two, 23 minutes, 39 seconds, you get a better look at it. That's the scene where Jess and Liam first encounter each other in the house because Jess just walked in because that's a thing you can do. Naturally. Um, this side table has a bunch of decanters on it, like alcohol decanters. There's another urn. I don't know why he has so many urns. There is a photo of Sadusky holding a medal that's being presented to him by, like, an FBI official. Um, let's see. We see that in front of the windows, which you also see in the Jess and Liam scene, there are end tables that hold a bell, another medal, and something else that vaguely looks like an artifact, but it is not in frame. So I can't really tell what it is. So the vibes, I would say, of Sadusky's study are not terribly interesting um but he has a lot of like old things that could be relics and also old things from his career so i'm getting from this this is a man who is obviously uh quite proud of his career um and also earned a number of accolades yeah I, it's interesting I, I know you said the medals are you know there too but like you know i'm thinking of like the picture and stuff like that like I don't know about you but like i don't really have like framed pictures of people presenting me with like awards not that there is a ton but like you know or even like at graduation like i don't have a framed picture of like somebody presenting me my diploma i just have the diploma yeah you know? yeah it gives it definitely lends the impression that 
because that when you see these types of pictures it's usually like the president of the united states or like really important person handing the person a thing so it lends the impression that this was an important person at the fbi or in the u.s government and so therefore sadusky has done some pretty important stuff in his career although it is interesting for someone who was apparently unceremoniously kind of let go from the fbi it's not like he's hiding his fbi history it doesn't seem like he's ashamed or holds resentment or anger i mean that's that's the I think that's the ideal place to get to, you know, like <laughs> just closure. <laughs> closure indeed. Okay. Well, let's get to what we are all here for, which is the clue room. Our first glimpse of the clue room comes at the very end of episode two, which is something I did not realize. The pacing of the show in my brain is very confusing to me every time I do one of these exercises. We see the clue room for the first time, episode two at 43 minutes and 15 seconds, literally right before the camera turns to credits, okay? Our first look is from a distance, basically the perspective of us observing Jess and Liam who are observing the room. What is the overview of the room, Emily? What can you tell me that you recall about the clue room? I love doing this to you. It's so much fun. It's mean. It's not Um... mean. Just trying to involve you like glass display cases correct that's about all i got that's all you've got i mean i remember like specific things but i don't know if we saw them in this first shot no 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 no. what are some of the specific things i'm sure we'll get to them like the meerschaum pipe um the glasses ocular device yes that's all i got okay all right we've got exactly two things Excellent job, Emily. Um, The overview of the room that we see in this first glance. There are these two long tables in the center of the room, kind of opposite each other, and they are just covered in stuff. One of them actually has a computer on it, which in my opinion seems kind of out of place for Sadusky himself. So I'm thinking it must have been Jack's, his son's. Um, I definitely get the impression from doing a close watch of the clue room that this is a workspace that Sadusky and Jack used together. Um, Which is an interesting thought because we've never met Jack. We've never seen him work as a treasure hunter or a treasure protector or Freemason or what have you. Um, But this is sort of, in a way, our only introduction to him as a person. That's very true. Interesting. Yeah. So getting to the rest of the room, all the walls, once again, lined with different kinds of shelves. Most have cabinets with like windows over them, sort of curio style. The tops of those shelves, like literally almost touching the ceiling, also has stuff on them. Lots of small statues, more urns. I don't know how someone can own so many urns. Maybe that's why he got unceremoniously discharged. He stole ashes we did discuss in Sadusky's storage unit episode that maybe he had to like buy some stuff or from the black market to do his like little undercover ops anything is possible okay so the most important and most interesting part of this room is going to be the far wall so this is the wall opposite of the door and that has a cork board with papers pinned to it we are going to get to uh, a deeper dive into that cork board momentarily. But for thoroughness sake, um, other things in the room near the entrance, yet another coat of arms. Recall, <laughs> he had a coat of arms in his storage unit. We talked about how expensive that would be to own. 
and yet he has another one. Yeah, and he and he kept the like you know he kept the other one in his storage unit. So it was like, well, I can only display one of these, mm. including in my super secret clue room that no one is going to see. We can still only have one of these in here. Yeah. Um, Two would be crazy. Would insane, absolutely insane. Another thing that reminded me of something we saw in the storage unit was a like bronze statue of a woman on one of the tables in the room. It also gave sort of artifact vibes. I will note that later episode moments or time points, we will get other just glances around the room. Uh, where we will notice that there are more cork boards actually on the left wall and the right wall. Um, the left wall has some old clocks, more urns, you guessed it, decorative plates, busts, you know, like of figures hmm. and other collectible knickknacks. Okay. Okay. Interesting guy. Yes, 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 yes. So it is in this first scene with the clue room where we first learn that Liam's dad, Jack, used an unpublished academic paper written in Mexico for his treasure hunting. This would be, of course, Manuela's paper. Um, and we also learn early in episode three, mysteriously, that uh, Jack has a video copy of Manuela's thesis defense. So just some questions I have here, Em, that I'd like to think about. Um, how in the heck did Jack get his hands on the dissertation and the video uh dissertation probably publicly available not published she didn't pass oh. uh like a preprint from where this makes me wonder like does jack does this mean that jack knew manuela and or rafael that's what i'm thinking because I don't know, I don't know how else he would have gotten the video. So I guess, I mean, that would be wild, right? If, if, if Jack and or Agent Sadusky himself knew Jess's family. I'm inclined to think that it wasn't Agent Sadusky who knew them. If anyone did, it would be Jack himself. And maybe Jack didn't share the details of how he got these things necessarily with his father, because mm. otherwise I think Sadusky would have, agent Sadusky would have had way more questions for Jess when she showed up and had this <laughs> mysterious necklace. And he was like, what do you know about the treasure? Yeah, true. <laughs> um, I guess the other way I was thinking Jack could have gotten his hands on this is like, maybe he asked the professor, like the thesis advisor or the university for the information would, That's possible. Like, would that have worked, though? Uh, I think it would depend on how, like, grumpy the professor was with, like, the fact that it, the person, that she didn't pass. Grumpy. Like, if they thought it was good, but the rest of the people were like, no. Mm -hmm. Then, like, I could see them wanting it out there. There's a lot of liberties for sure taken in this whole academic process that we're given in the show like for example i think we're sort of lent the impression that manuela is doing this dissertation entirely on her own without like an academic supervisor because we are lent the impression that like everyone judging her dissertation thinks it's bs true um so my thought is like i don't think it necessarily would have worked jack asking the thesis advisor or the university unless they were so like callous about their belief in her being wrong that they would just hand over her unpublished work to a rando 
That seems less likely. Let's go with he knew her. Okay. I love it. So y'all, you heard it here on National Treasure Hunt first. Somehow, Jack Sadesky likely knew Manuela and or Raphael. Wild. Okay. The thesis defense we learn from the video, which has a little date on it. That happened May 1st, 1999. And then later in the video, remember, it cuts to Manuela and Raphael dancing around the kitchen. And Manuela is shown pregnant in that part of the video, which was marked December 8th of that same year. So I was thinking about, like, how does this line up with the beginning of the film? The flashback, I'm pretty sure, was from 2001. Like, when we when we see... Raphael like battling it out with Salazar's people and then he like supposedly burns in the fire I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be 2001 which means Manuela between around May of 1999 and sometime in 2001 she had given up on the treasure hunt for around two years one one and a half to two years Hmm. I'm guessing this might have coincided with when she got pregnant and had Jess. And then this gave me the vibes, Emily. I don't know if this is sounding familiar to you. This feels a lot to me like Professor Helen Mirren. Remember she mm. said she said to Patrick, someone had to grow up and take care of Ben. Yes. And Oh, that's good. Right? And so it's like a direct parallel to the, you know, the Emily Patrick relationship is now the Manuela. Raphael relationship we had people who were like into the treasure hunting vibe together and then the woman got pregnant and she kind of stopped the treasure hunting for various reasons but it's kind of like the the pregnancy in I feel like the show and the movie marks this moment where the woman is like okay time to not be a kid now and treasure hunting is associated with kid or child you know being kind of an immature person yeah definitely wow okay what do you got for me next okay so we are still in the clue room in our first look um It is worth mentioning, of course, we don't see a spotlight on them in this episode, but if you know what you're looking for in the back right corner of the room, you will see the National Treasure artifacts that you talked about, Emily. Um, At the very top of the relevant curio is the Olmec plank. In the middle is the Meerschaum pipe, and the bottom like shelf has the ocular device. Um, This got me thinking. I was like, why these three clues? Why do they put these three specific things in the clue room? Well, you can't put the declaration in there. Unfortunately. But where's the second Olmec plank, for instance? I feel like they just needed one to show the point. For sure, for sure. But, like, don't you think those should be displayed together? Of course, in episode three, Oren, when he sees the plank for the first time, he's like, oh my gosh, it's the panel from the Resolute Desk. So, like, I don't know. If you want to take Oren at his word, this is the plank from the White House, potentially. So maybe they gave the other one back. I was thinking the other one could be, like, in the British Museum, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and it also made me start thinking, okay, if I was designing this clue room, what other objects are important to the films? What else could you feature on these shelves? And it was actually interesting because I was like, what could you do? You can't have most of the objects like the Declaration or the President's Book. Um, 
I don't know, somehow I feel like maybe he should have Ben's implements like the Mount Vernon map or the George Washington campaign button. Yeah. But they, but they weren't clues. True. And Ben probably wouldn't give those up. Probably not, but I'd also think that if Ben knew that, like, the Meerschaum pipe was in Sadusky's house, I would think Ben would like to have that, too, if it wasn't going into a museum. That's fair. <laughs> I would want it, for sure. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Well, and then once again, it's also, like, I just have to reemphasize, how slash why does Sadusky have these things? You know? Yeah, that's the real, I think. That's that's where I'm getting a little stuck. I seem kind of out of it, but it's because I'm literally like, but why? Like, why does he have, like, was it part of the deal he made? Must. Like, with Ben? uh, To be like, yo, give me these things. Are they actually, like, way better friends? You know, I know we've hypothesized that they, you know, like, are, like, you know. Do get along ish like they're frenemies mm -hmm. but like are they actually better friends and ben you know like he did with abigail when they broke up quote unquote mm -hmm. like split some of the possessions did he steal them is this why he isn't part of the fbi anymore <laughs> probably not that but well, i don't know you know we did speculate in the storage unit unit episode um we were like, oh, what if the coat of arms in the storage unit is actually from the Templar treasure? One of our rationales was then, like, could he have negotiated somehow part of the find himself, like, to to receive part of the find, in which case maybe this is part of that? Because you can't argue that these things shouldn't be part of one of the museum exhibits, right? They sent all the Templar treasure to yeah. the Cairo Museum and the Louvre like, and yeah, the Smithsonian. Yeah, who would agree to that, though? Exactly. Like, who would be like, yeah, Sadusky, you can have this. So maybe we should land on the assumption that these are replicas. Ooh, I like that. Let's, I like that. Let's go with that. Okay. All right, you guys. We just vindicated Agent Sadusky, something that truly pains me to my soul. So we've, sorry. We've done it. Okay. Emily, the clue room next appears in episode three. Okay. Pretty much right after we first see it and the episode switches. Nine minutes and 31 seconds. This is when the full Scooby crew is in the clue room after watching the dissertation tape. And remember, Jess also learned from the manuscript right before this that her mom's lullaby passed down the legend of the treasure. So it's it's at nine minutes and 44 seconds for the record that's when we get our zoom in on the national treasure objects and we see them, which I think this is really fun. We see them via the eyes of Orin, who is our national treasure fanboy. And so I kind of love the direction there. Yeah. And he's like the Riley. Exactly. So he's the one who's excited about these things. So he's the one who gets to see them and tell the audience, the listener, what he is looking at and convey the excitement, which is supposed to parallel the audience's excitement to see them. So it's Love like that for Oren. Well, he's if he's the Riley figure, it means he's the audience stand-in, which makes it perfectly apt. You know? Yeah. Good job, Oren. 
But it's during this uh, quick moment that we get a little bit of a glance at the curios next to the National Treasure objects. Um, we see a tall figure statue type of thing next to the curio that looks like it might be um, either Native American or Asian in origin. Uh, behind it, there are curio cabinets that are like covered with like a like a meshy covering. Um, inside of those cabinets are some more antique statues, including um, an Asian style horse. I've definitely seen this statue before. I don't remember if it was in his storage unit or if I've seen it elsewhere. There's a goblet. Um, and then something shaped like a candlestick. Emily, tell me that you think it is the, um, the, oh my God, what is it called? The obsidian chalice. That, oh, yes. that's okay. I mean, obsidian, that, that first thought. I thought your first thought was going to be the Holy Grail. Oh, uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> Less cool. Less cool. <laughs> Probably not real, so. Yeah, tr truly. Okay, so to the left of the National Treasure Objects is the cork board, you guys. Love is a good cork board. The cork board is everything. I am so excited to tell you about the cork board. We, at this moment, get our first glimpse of what's on it. There are uh, labels at the top. And the first one we get to see is a label that says Incan Relic. There's a picture of a blue stone under this label. Um, and then that picture reads blue lapis, question mark, question mark. There are a few lapis stones that are kind of tacked up in tiny Ziploc baggies on the corkboard. And a schematic of the puzzle boxes what you're i laughing. just like that there are a couple stones in a bag yeah. just chilling on the cork board it's a cute little ad it is absolutely not necessary it's for... it's such a weird thing well there's gonna be more of them so get excited um we also see for the first time the clue that reads a message was passed to the sun king born to peace that will end up important later we actually see it for the first time here mm. um but it's not until 10 minutes and three seconds that we get a fuller look at this cork board it turns out that the incan relic section that we just saw is the least complete of each of the sections which makes perfect sense based on the rest of the show right yeah that is what we're going for it's the one relic that they've never had their hands on it's them the, them being the the, yeah it, them being the seduskis the seduskis know where the obsidian relic is because they put it in the masonic lodge they at one point knew where the jade box was because they had it from cibola they've never had their hands on the lapis relic they know the least about it did they have a little lapis in a bag that's what i just said before they had lapis in the bag so all of the things were in the bags? Well, I'm getting there. Yes, they have samples. Yes, for spoiler alert, there are samples of every stone in little baggies taped to the cork board. Taped? Not even no, like stuff. Whatever, in. Emily. Emily, you're. Well, mm -hmm. I'm. I'm trying to think of the logistics of this. Like very simple, frankly. Heavy. It's dumb. I don't. They're tiny stones. <laughs> I I have to take your word for it. I guess you do. Um. The leftmost section. So the Incan section was on the right. The leftmost section is the Aztec relic. It is very full. Again, this makes sense. 
because the Aztec obsidian relic was the one in Jack and or Agent Sadusky's full control being hidden at the lodge. We don't zoom into this section of the board, but what can we tell is on this section from afar? Well, there are numerous photos of the box, since they had the box, makes sense. There's a zoomed in photo of the spinning dial portion that causes us great angst because of Jess's little story to open the box. Oh gosh. There are a few maps. Okay. The only one that I can kind of make out is that it is of the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. And it includes approximately the areas of Veracruz, Oaxaca, and Acapulco. That feels important. No, it will be. Just you wait. Just you wait. I can't wait. I know. It's so good. Okay. There are many note cards. And there are many post-its with words that we can't make out from a distance. There are two images or, like, graphics. It looks like they might be ancient drawings or, like, um, you know, petroglyphs that were reproduced. And, um, yes, Emily, once again, we have a photograph of an obsidian stone and samples of the stone. And I literally wrote in my notes here, literally check this, Emily, parentheses, IDK why this makes me laugh. Because it's ridiculous. <laughs> why? Like, that's like, that's like, on. I mean, I now that I'm saying this, they sell these. But, like, it's like having a periodic table with, like, little but like instead of in a nice container all of the elements like little baggies which you can't do for some of them because they're gases of well i guess you could and just trust that they're in there but little baggies hang it off of all the elements like i mean he had money he could have put them in a better thing and also like you don't need to look at them every two seconds you could put a picture like the picture's fine we don't need to like the time maybe he's gonna bring them with him you know, and like hold it up, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's ridiculous. Well, what I think it would have been valuable for him to have a sample of would be lodestone so that he could like maybe test the magnetic properties or something. There's nothing to test with the little baggies of these little rocks. Okay. But Emily, that is not where we need to draw our attention. Where I really want to focus this conversation is the middle section. Okay. Okay. This is going to blow your mind, knock your socks off, I'm so excited. This is the Mayan section, which is nearly as full as the Aztec section, uh, which again also makes sense since they had the Jade Box at one point for like 30 seconds. Um, We're also going to get a really good look at this section because there's a, a scene where Jess is looking at the corkboard and we look at her from behind and she's sort of standing in the middle so we can look past her to see what is on this part of the board. Are you ready, Emily? Born ready. I mean, I've hyped it up enough. I hope it lives up to the expectations. Okay, to start, from a distance, we see a much larger map. And this map comprises the southern United States, Mexico, and Central America. Okay? You can kind of visualize that. There are investigation-style strings on it. You know, when you see in, like, a show, like, there's, like, there's investigating a murder, and we put little strings and pin people in places. There are strings all over this map, and it's at this point I decided I was going to do my best to critically examine this map in the show and cross-reference it with a map on Google to determine what the different points on the map are and what they're connecting. Wow. I I believe that the correct answer is thank you, 
Thank you. It's impressive. It's dedication. What what did you find? Well, it's a good thing I did this, okay? All right. The topmost section, I would say there's like kind of two sections of strings. The topmost section of strings, super interesting. I'm fairly confident that this is a line connecting Alamo, Texas to approximately Chihuahua, Mexico. So I'm going to expand on this. Alamo, Texas, this is something I learned, um, is not the Alamo. (laughs) Did you know that? I did know that. Okay. Well, Alamo, Texas is in the Rio Grande Valley, like the southernmost part of Texas. And again, it is connected to Chihuahua, Mexico here. I find the interesting piece here to be the reference of Alamo. I was like, was this a mistake since Alamo, Texas is not actually the Alamo, which we know is going to be important for the show? Or was it an intentional mistake on the part of the set decorators showing that the Sadeskis were also misinterpreting the Alamo Mm. clue at some point? That one. But, Emily, if it is that one... Why do the Sadeskis know to look at the Alamo? They don't have the Meriwether Journal. Maybe they were just like, hey, this seems important. (laughs) Seriously, though, think about it. Is this a teeny tiny itty bitty plot hole that no one would ever notice because no one's going to examine this map? 100%. (laughs) Okay, great. I would also, but here's the kicker, like to point out that this string passes straight over the Mexican state of Coahuila, which is where Viesca is. And Viesca is implicated by the show as where the former Alamo is, right? Like the old Viesca town. The town of Mexico was once known as the Alamo. Right. Okay. Well, did that, was that exciting? Fun? That was pretty cool, man. Okay, I got more. Um, there's, this is kind of bizarre. There's a string connecting approximately Mexico City to Cuba. Why not? Cuban Missile Crisis? Ooh, page 47 vibes? Maybe. Okay, then there's a string connecting the tip of the Yucatan Peninsula to approximately Veracruz, and then there's another one from Veracruz going southward, but we can't see the end of that string. Veracruz is a little bit recurring here. There are two strings connected to it. The current Mexican city, Alamo, is in Veracruz. Uh. So once again, why do the Sadeskis know to look at literally any iteration or version of the word Alamo? Must have had some, some good intel. Maybe they had a connection to Meriwether Lewis himself. That would that would be something. However, we do know a little bit about Meriwether Lewis from the prequel book series, and Sadusky's family was not implicated in that. Is true. that. Okay, so anyway, this all gets me thinking about where they ultimately, where the Scooby Gang will ultimately find the Lapis box at the convent slash university in Mexico. So I did some Googling, and I found that they... How do I put this? The show implies that the box was found at a real place. Wait, really? Yes. 
they found i can i can tell everyone with complete confidence that jess found the la piece box at the university of the cloister of sorwana which in spanish is universidad del claustro de sorwana it's a private university located in the former san geronimo convent in the historic center of mexico city okay that is a quote mm-hmm. that i took from the internet um so they were in Mexico City. They were at this specific convent. Um, so that is something that I'm sure we will explore further, Emily, in a future deep dive on Sorwana. Sounds good. Awesome. So to recap this map, okay? This map includes references to three different Alamos. Alamo, Texas. Viesca, Coahuila, Mexico, formerly known as Alamo. And Alamo, Veracruz, Mexico. Plus, we have a reference on the map to Mexico City, which ends up being the place to find the Incan relic, Hmm. which is super interesting, okay? This is in the section about the Mayan relic, number one. Number two, if we're talking about the Lapis relic, we know it was initially hidden in Alamo, and it was eventually found in Mexico City. So this is either a heck of a lot of coincidences or mistakes on the set design team. <laughs> or the Sadowskis knew something about the story of this La Piece box and they just were never able to kind of figure it out. Interesting. What do you think? What do you think it is? I mean, I think they knew something. Somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> but I would like to think that that's the case. It also just makes me realize that the Scooby gang was really, we talk about this. I mean, there's no reason for them to be good at treasure hunting. Mm. They're not really strategic with the clue room. They could have learned a lot more from the clue room. For example, I don't know. I wonder why all of these places in Mexico are highlighted on this map. I mean, they got what they needed. It would have been, it would have been less good if all the work was done for them from a storytelling perspective. For sure, but I just would like to point it out that it might not have been so arduous and mm-hmm. complicated, okay? Anyway, that was a lot about a map, so thanks for going with me on that adventure. Um, we also have a bunch of notes, once again, photos of the box, and we also this time have some photographs of, like, jade stone relics. Um, there's also an image of a Mayan calendar, which is a, a fun little detour. It would have been cool to see that incorporated into the show, perhaps. Um Here's the other part that I'm really excited about, Emily. In the Mayan section, we have a lot of photographs that are National Treasure 2 references. Did you did you happen to notice any of these when you watched the show? Of course not. Why would you even ask? Okay. Well, I wonder if anyone else did, because I certainly didn't either. Um, and this is very cool. Again, this makes sense because they found the jade box in Cibola which is National Treasure 2-esque. So maybe, I guess the Sadusky thought, maybe there's something else here related to this, you know, Cibola treasure hunt that could lead us to, maybe maybe it was more involved than just the box being hidden at the final location. Why do I say that? Well, there's a photograph of the Olmec plank. I say, why is that there when you literally have the Olmec plank six feet away in the curio, but we do have a picture of it on the corkboard. Maybe it's the other one. Oh, maybe it is the other one. That's a good point. Maybe we can close watch and figure that out. Okay. Uh, There are two photos of the Statue of Liberty. Oh, 
Okay. Two. Yeah, like different. Sure, like which one? No, no. It's I mean, it's unclear if they're two different statues of Liberty, but they're different views of the statue. Okay. okay. We'll get to a little bit more of that, I think, later. So this suggests that he's like been doing some, like he was doing work. It's unclear to movie. me. I, I think this is probably them. I think this is probably they found the box in Cibola and then Sadusky goes to Ben and is like, explain to me your treasure hunt here. Mm. And then he takes the pictures because he's like, maybe there's more to this than just Cibola. Okay. You I know? like that. Yeah. Um, I believe there's also a picture of the president's secret book in the bottom left corner of this section. It's hard to tell. It's like sort of a brown blob. Um. There was then a photo. Okay, I got really proud of myself. There was a photo of an old like portrait, and based on the context clues of all of these like pictures from National Treasure Two, I'm like, yo, this is definitely Queen Victoria. And then at this point in my notes, I've written, "Hot, oh, I'm good at this." Um, it was. It was, and I found the exact painting that it's a wow. picture of. Wow. Yes. So. This is Sir George Hayter's painting of Queen Victoria. It was painted between 1838 and 1840. It was commissioned by Queen Victoria herself and initially hung in the Grand Corridor at Windsor Castle in 1875. Okay. Okay. It is an oil-on-canvas painting that is currently in the Royal Dining Room at the Palace of... God, I wish this wasn't a real word. I'm going to try really hard here. The Palace of Holyrood House... <laughs> which i've okay. nev never heard of before um all right you ready for another one there's also a drawing of a ship <gasps> which i'm thinking again based on context clues is the hms resolute we will follow up on that in a moment um very clearly from what i've described this is all from like one screenshot or like pausing of the show wow. this is this is a dense image yeah and it's at this point that I'm like, oh, I really need to just take a picture of this so I can share it on our social media when this episode goes out. Yeah. Did you? Well, did you know, Emily, that apparently you can't screen grab yes. or use the snipping tool on Disney Plus from your computer? Yes. You have to take a picture of the screen with something Yeah, else. I learned that the hard way. Oh. Yeah, no, I knew that because I try and do that a lot. Or I used to. Okay. I was very frustrated by I'm this. Sorry. Um, I did take a picture. I ended up taking a picture on my phone that's not half bad, but it would have been way clearer, I'm sure, if I was able to just take a stupid screenshot. Mm. All in all, round of applause for me, please. Oh, that's not working. She's no. trying to tap her microphone. Is that not, no? No, it noise cancels it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Okay. It's at 10 minutes and 18 seconds now that we get a slightly different angle of the corkboard that shows what was behind Jess. Because again, remember I said she's looking at the corkboard, so there's inherently a part we're looking from behind her that we can't see, right? So now we can see that angle. Um, here we see a photo of the inscription on the Liberty Bell. Hmm. Yeah, you look confused. You should look confused. Why are you confused? Uh, it just feels random. Yeah, we're getting sloppy here, mixing up National Treasure and National Treasure 2. Don't love that. Um, it did bug me a little bit because they had been so deliberate and so strategic about all the things they're showing that this was, like, very, to me, this is a slip-up. Um, 
We also see, I think, two photos of Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills. Okay. Um, there might be something else. I'm thinking Mitch's booth diary page next to the Liberty Bell, but I can't tell for sure what that thing is. So take that one with a grain of salt. But it's also in this like part of the scene that my supposition about the ship being the HMS Resolute is confirmed. What? Because there are two sticky notes next to it and I can read them. <laughs> and they say HMS Resolute. They say, illustration of HMS Resolute from the London News, 1856. Wow. So it's like a replica, kind of like the painting of Queen, uh, Queen Victoria. This is like a replica of a thing that exists. Huh. There was another odd sticky note that I wanted to point out, which I think... Here's a moment, Emily, where pay attention, please. This is a good one. It's a good one. I'm I'm here. The sticky note reads July 14, storming of the Bastille. And that's next to a sticky note that says July 4th, 1776, and July 14th, 1789. So, in other words, this is the Sadusky's kind of connecting in some way the 4th of July and the storming of the Bastille in Paris in france where am i going with this this might explain why ethan and jess randomly jumped to louis the 14th i.e france when they start trying to decode the sun king clue just seconds later oh so maybe they'd like notice this yes Remember, we had criticized this a little bit when we did our recap. We were like, why, like, why are they, it's like Albuquerque and Snorkel. Why are they just jumping to Louis XIV as the interpretation here? It seemed random. It kind of made them come across a little, it kind of added to the whole, like, you're not that great at this thing. But this might actually vindicate them. They probably saw this on the wall, and that's the reason they said this. Wow, good job, Jess and Ethan. Proud um, of you. Good job, Aubrey, you mean? And good job, Aubrey. But, I mean, good for them for seeing it. But good for you for also seeing it. Because you were not in the show. You're just a viewer. No, no, no. It is good job, Aubrey. You figured out a problem that we had with the show. You solved it. Yep. Good job, Aubrey. She doesn't need validation at all, everyone. I. You're just really not reacting the way I was hoping you would react to some of these revelations. I think some of them are really cool. I'm also trying to process it all. Okay, okay, a likely story. Uh, let's move a few seconds later at 10 minutes and 36 seconds. We get a close-up of the Jade Box section and that map that we dove into earlier. There are some new sticky notes here. Okay? One okay. of them reads, Across the sea, these twins stand resolute. <laughs> the next one says, To preserve what we are looking for. Oh, La Boulet. <laughs> This is, once again, this is why I'm pretty confident Sadusky went to bed and it was like, tell me each step of yeah, your treasure hunt. He's just spelling it out now. There's another sticky note next to it, and this is interesting. This one says, text on tabula and sada differs from American statue. What does this mean? Well, recall, there were two pictures of the Statue of Liberty. The tabula and sada is what the Statue of Liberty is holding. So this is implying, again, we are in National Treasure 2 land. This is implying that the tabula and sada, presumably on the Parisian Statue of Liberty on the River Seine, is different from the tabula and sada on the American Statue of Liberty in New York. 
I believe this was another erroneous reference to National Treasure 2. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to point out, um, you know, again, why, why, basically the difference between why the New York Statue of Liberty and the Paris Statue of Liberty are not both equal partners in this treasure hunt, right? Right. Recall we end up finding, we being Penn and Riley, end up finding the clue on the torch of the statue. Not the tabula ansata. Maybe there were two clues. <laughs> well, this actually made me think about um, the National Treasure 2 novel. Because if I remember correctly, one of the differences we we saw, I thought it had something to do with the tabula ansata. I think that was in, in the National Treasure 2 novel. And recall, Emily, that we were given the express privilege of reviewing the final filming script, which we cannot make public to everyone, but we have been able to read it. And that kind of matches the novel. So if they were using the final filming script as the reference to kind of pull these scene notes for the set decor, that's where this might have come from. Okay. That that actually makes a lot of, like, production sense. For sure. But it does also, you know, folks on the line, we were asked by the Wibberleys multiple times during the production process for, like, little reminders of things and, and whatnot. I just wish we had been asked for details like this because we could have been helpful you know yeah that's clearly the reason why national treasure edge of history wasn't renewed the accuracy of the statue of liberty clue on the cork board that no one will ever see yep that is it (laughs) okay okay let me start um uh let me start wrapping up also in this view we see some new details on this ever interesting map Okay, Mm. we basically see the bottom half of the map. There are new lines here that appear to connect Veracruz. Once again, that's where the current Alamo is. With Guatemala. And then there's a line connecting Guatemala with Campeche, Mexico. Cuba, remember we we mentioned Cuba before. Cuba is also connected to Honduras. And Honduras connects to Veracruz and then back to the Yucatan. Yeah, this all feels random to me. <laughs> this is where I strongly suspect that if this was a historical deep dive episode, we would find that there are Maya or Incan connections to Guatemala and or Honduras. Mm. One would hope, otherwise this is random. Otherwise it's random, but honestly, based on everything I've I've explained to you so far, do you really think this part is random? Uh, no, no, it's intentional. <laughs> okay, it's at this point that I noticed there's another corkboard on the right-hand wall, again, from the perspective of the room's, like, door. There are additional maps and photos and strings and post-its, but we never get close enough to see the details. Oh, no! There's a smaller corkboard on the left-hand wall, but we're even less able to parse this one out than, than the right wall, which I know, Emily, you're super disappointed in. I am devastated I'm, by i'm wondering if we could get that information from someone you were thinking i was thinking the same thing somebody like a, probably had to take a picture a hundred percent right the set people definitely had pictures because they had to like put put it together so that's a really good point maybe we should try to get our hands on that all right put that on the to-do list but anyway 
This level of detail I find both impressive and interesting. It does, as we kind of mentioned though, inadvertently create some plot holes because of what we mentioned before about the Sadeskis not really knowing anything in theory about Alamo because the Alamo clue came from the Meriwether Journal and the journal came from the Graceland clue. And we know for a fact that the Sadeskis had never cracked the clue that would lead them to Graceland. Remember, that's the Sun King clue that we see on the board earlier. Right. And then they'll come back to this. And when Jake, Jake Austin Jake. Walker, when, <laughs> when Liam points that clue out, he explicitly says, this is one clue my dad and my grandpa were never able to crack. So if they never cracked that clue, they never would have gotten to Graceland. And if they never got to Graceland, they never would have had any reason to look at the Meriwether Journal. Oof. So okay. I, I don't know that we can buy into your just like high amount of faith that they somehow knew about the journal, Emily. I'm going to think on it. Okay, think not, on I'm it. Ne- not in this episode, but like... <laughs> on my own time and see if I can come up with an explanation. Okay. We look forward to that for now. I'm fairly confident in saying this is just like an accidental plot hole that no one is supposed to see because you're not supposed to look at the scene this closely, but that is what you have us for. Okay. Um, we're about to start wrapping up. Um, I will say, Oddly enough, we got through this whole episode up until this point and we haven't even gotten to what I would call the main clue room episode yet. Yeah, the, like, where's Riley? Exactly, Emily. Episode four. My um, boy. Recall that this was also, in retrospect, kind of odd. Riley accidentally stumbled a- upon the clue room when he found it. Did you remember that? I completely forgot. I didn't, but that makes me think that... Mm. Well, no, I guess Ben could have still given Sadusky some of the information. What? I was just thinking that, like me, like it doesn't. It's it's not a logical thought. Don't worry about. It. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was. I thought I was having a a good brain moment, and it's not. Okay. Well, it did blow my mind when Jess walks into the study. She just stumbles upon the door to the clue room open and Riley inside. Um. So like that means Riley was just messing around with the bookshelf and happens to just press and pull the right books for it to open. Okay, let's just go with it. I mean, we know that he is. I love him, but we know that he is not doing high end treasure solving things. So I fully believe that he would be there and would just be like. Sure, bookshelves sometimes have secret compartments. Let me just pull on all these things until something happens. Well, part of it was he noticed his book on the shelf. And then he mentioned, he mumbled something about like Zadusky having the other language translations. And so he started like messing around with those books. But like the ultimate irony, can we just, I guess to make this work out, Zadusky would have had to make the secret levered books Riley's books all Riley's books maybe he wanted Riley to find it no think about what if he wanted them to find it well like it's not like it's a total secret Jake Jake why do I keep doing this Liam knew about it sure but you know he didn't know that Liam was gonna come around (laughs) 
<laughs> so maybe he was like, I need a backup plan. Contingency. <laughs> and my, con- my contingency is Riley Poole. That's a scary thought. Honestly, though, you know, if Ben had been there, Riley would have been like, Ben, look, it's my book. And Ben would have been like, hmm, that's <laughs> interesting. And then he would have figured it out. Why would Sadusky right. have all of these books? Could it really be that that's simple? simple. <laughs> Probably didn't come through together. But... It did. I mean, it did on my end. So well, that's yeah, fun. to us it does. I don't know to the <laughs> listener. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sorry, we digress, y'all. That was fun. Um, so if you want to see Riley stumbling into the clue room, this happens at episode four, 21 minutes and 10 seconds. Um, for the record, I did forget that they show the, um, I guess, scene or like clip from National Treasure, when Riley says, early American X-ray specs, they flash to that when Riley touches the ocular device. And so this is a complete juxtaposition of Riley, i.e. Justin Bartha in 2004, versus Riley, i.e. Justin Bartha in 2023. And oh my god, he looks so different, even more different than I realized. Yeah, maybe that was intentional, though. Maybe they were like, let us show you like because you know they were kind of in on the joke of like well it's been a while well no for sure but i mean we knew they were going to pull a scene there remember they remember the wibberleys asked us what scenes they should look at to to include and we didn't know what they were going to need it for um but in retrospect one of the ones we suggested it might have been we should look back at our notes it'd be pretty fun if it was um yes everyone for those who are unaware we were asked what scene of riley and national treasure should be inserted into the show to kind of draw the audience's memory to jog the memory if you will okay so oh i remember the one i suggested they didn't pick that one what well, what was it i don't remember uh the the one of him uh with his book having his like his big riley moment of the second film mm, gotcha um well, oddly enough, Emily, if this episode four is like the main clue room episode, we don't actually learn anything more about the room in this scene. <laughs> well, we we just get some tiny details of like what's on the long tables in the middle of the room. Um, and spoiler alert, it's not that interesting. If the computer belonged to Jack Sadusky, I suspect that the magnifying glass that you see on the table perhaps belonged to Agent Sadusky. There are also many papers that are in bundles and some more tiny statuettes because, again, we must perpetually have the question of did Agent Sadusky secretly steal all of these artifacts? We, of course, do learn there is an FBI seal above the keypad, like the lock keypad in the room. Of course, it becomes part of the episode. We learn there's a dog statue. Of course, it becomes part of the episode. And Jack's silver star. Then finally, the joiner die snake. Um, We all know this. It's not that interesting. And it doesn't really tell us anything about Agent Sadusky besides the fact that he has a lot of confidence in himself as someone with dementia that he will be able to remember all of these different clues and interpret what the clues mean in order to get himself out of the room if he accidentally begins suffocating himself because of his security system. I do remember that was something we brought up (laughs) when we watched it the first. Perpetually bothers me. Okay. Um, I will also note that in our storage unit episode, we had, um, we had 
noted that Sadusky's relationship status was unclear. Uh, it is in this scene in episode four that Riley confirms that Sadusky was, quote, married for a long time. But um, it, like, he doesn't tell us how long he was married for and doesn't say whether he ended up divorced or widowed. Yeah, like, where's his wife? Right. Well, we know she's not in the picture anymore. That is clear. So, um, those are the key scenes featuring the clue room. Hmm. Um, it took me hours <laughs> to determine everything that you just listened to, hopefully, in the past, like, 40 minutes. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to wrap up here and uh, start by saying... When I tell you that deciphering that map of the Yucatan Peninsula and figuring out what National Treasure 2 references were on that corkboard energized me like nobody's business. I literally <laughs> called Brian and I was like, you've got to hear what I just found out. I figured this out all on my own. Let me tell you about it. And he's a very good sport and he listened with full attention. Aw, good job, Brian. But what I do want to wrap up with just allow us to kind of reflect did we learn anything new about Sadusky from this exercise did we learn anything new about the films or about the show let's start with the first question about Sadusky um I mean it feels like he knew some stuff or was at least trying to put it together like he was more actively I feel like engaged in even the past stuff than I think we thought. Like I, I was under the impression like, Oh, we just had this, you know, all these like, like things from the movie uh, to have them. Whereas like, it seems like he was actually, you know, using that information. So you, you think know? perhaps he had the, like the Meerschaum pipe and the ocular device and the plank because he thought there could be a connection to the Pan American treasure. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. For me, a, the question of Sadusky is actually a pretty interesting one. Based on this room um, and what we talked about related to Jack needing to know Manuela or Raphael um, and things like that, it leads me to the question of like, who was leading the hunt for the for the Pan American treasure. Was it Sadusky or was it Jack? Because I'm slightly under the impression now that it was Jack. Like, obviously Sadusky was the one who found the jade box at Cibola. But we were told he handed it off to Jack. We were literally right. told that in this show. And then um we still don't know, of course, how he, how the family, let's say, how the Sadusky family got the obsidian relic that then was put in the Masonic Lodge. But based on this, this like new revelation of how involved Jack was, there's really no reason to believe that it couldn't have been Jack that put the relic in the Masonic Lodge or was at least involved in putting it there. I mean, he, I'm pretty sure, wasn't he the, um, in the photo um, that started the whole thing? Like, I in the so, lodge yeah. as a child? I'm pretty sure, yeah. So, like, huh. I don't know. Especially, especially because we know Sadusky was involved in this since the time he was with the FBI. 
because he was looking for the jade box at the time he found it when he was with the fbi presumably when he's with the fbi he doesn't have a ton of freedom or ability to go relic hunting and treasure hunting so maybe he's sort of a ringleader of sorts but really delegates most of the action on this hunt to his son and then when his son dies you know he's getting older how much of this can he actually do himself also we know that soon after Cibola, he was let go from the fbi so now any potential leads or connections he had from his time in the government that might have given him access to places to pursue the treasure hunt he has now lost that access jack is dead and there's been no more progress on the treasure hunt ever since i like the theory that jack was like kind of the ring leader he just seems to be way more involved than i guess i initially suspected because in my brain obviously my my brain goes to sadusky being the main the main person here um because we've met him exactly exactly that helps um okay let's go to my second question did we learn anything new about the movies or the show yeah so i think for me what really came up and I had to hold myself from saying this earlier because I thought it was going to be relevant now, is, you know, something, we say this all the time, but the intentionality of everything, Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part within the movies, within the show, like, there is a lot of intentionality in, you know, directorial choices, set design choices, all of that, like, history choices, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that initially upon seeing the clue room, not taking a really close look at it, you know, the big things we saw were like, you know, the things we knew from Mm -hmm. National Treasure, right? And I think that at least my impression was kind of like, oh, well, this is clearly like they're pandering to the audience here. They're just putting these things here to, you know, satisfy people Mm -hmm. and even with some of like you know because we see like the the plank right um and stuff like that like they're even including some national treasure two stuff in here to you know just they're they're covering the whole there's a ton of it (laughs) well right but that you notice like right away yeah and i think that this is just another really good example of if you look closely or pay attention closely, there is very intense intentionality yeah. to what people are doing. And I think that that kind of like lends some additional credence to like the the show. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um looking it it, in a way kind of validates what we do on the show you know we do episodes like this i don't want to say as a joke because we clearly take it very seriously but when we tell people we do an episode like this it is a little bit like of course you do that like or people who don't fully understand are like oh running out of episode ideas it's like no (laughs) there's a lot to break down here because of that intentionality right i mean it also makes me think that in a weird way, I wish I wish they would have gone a little more – you're never going to catch me saying this usually. I feel like they could have been a little bit more obvious of how they tied National Treasure 2 into the show as opposed to it just being in the background on a corkboard. 
because there is a real connection there. They totally could have explored that more or re-referenced the idea that the jade box came from Cibola. Like we saw Emily, we saw the scene that was shot for National Treasure 2 where an artifact is like shown to the president of the United States in the bunker and taken out. And Ben looks, Ben and Riley and Abigail look at it like, what the heck is that? And we, we were sent that, you know, mm-hmm. personally to, to see the reference that film exists. And so how cool would it have been to not just reference a moment of Riley that we've seen before him looking, you know, at the ocular device, how cool would it have been to have whipped out unused footage to be like, Hey, we were planning for this the whole time. Unused footage that was filmed in 2006 slash 2007. Yeah. Actually, that's a great, yeah, that's a great point. That would have been super cool. So cool. Cause you know, you look at something like that and you're like, how did, do I remember you? The audience would be like, did I see that? Right. No. How did they get this? Did they reshoot this? No, Bruce Greenwood is the same age that he was in 2007 in this clip. Like, how did they do that? And it's like, suckers, we had this the whole time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Stop laughing. Suckers. I'm serious. I mean, okay, Disney, hire me. I have good ideas. Um, Okay. She won't stop asking. No, I won't. Um, so that's, I think, a, a cool thing that we, we could have seen in the show. Um, otherwise, what else did we learn new? Well, I just want to say, once again, we have vindicated Jess and Ethan on the whole Sun King being Louis the Fourteenth um, because of something they saw on the corkboard. It would have been a very quick pan to show that in an obvious <laughs> way or to show, like, Jess pulling that post-it off the wall and you see her reading it and then go... Sun King, Louis the Fourteenth. Right. You know what I mean. Make it a little more believable. Exactly. Again, I could be a director. Um, and finally, this is just something for us to chew on to leave you with. We got one reference on the National Treasure Two portion of the board that is very out of the blue. The Bastille reference. Hmm. I would love to know where they were going with that again if we accept that everything is done with intentionality where were they going with that and might i say could it be something for national treasure three could could the national treasure creative team be the taylor swift of movies could they be leaving easter eggs everywhere that only the most passionate obsessed fans would notice why else would they reference the Bastille here when we've never, ever seen that reference in National Treasure lore before? I ask you that question and I leave you with that thought. And if you want to see if Aubrey is right, email your local Disney representative and ask them about the status of National Treasure 3. Um, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. Our website is nthuntpodcast.com and you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, y'all. You are the reason it exists. Thank you so much for the suggestion. And we hope you'll join us for our next episode, which is going to be an historical deep dive. We are going to be researching Malinche, who is obviously central to the whole story of Edge of History. So until then, I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. 
and thank you so much for joining us on our national treasure hunt. Thank you.